John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kilticka, Ed. It's the High Game Podcast, John. High Game Podcast. What are we going to talk about? Uh, how rainy it is outside? Ugh. Ugh. Hate it. And guitars. We're in fall. We're in the rain times, yep. the dark times here in the Pacific Northwest. I like it when it's sunny out and the leaves are all red and stuff. Yes. But that's like one day in 30. So I'm not into it. It's the joint aching time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I need to go back down to the desert. Yeah, go. I've got a pretty nice guitar here today, Ed. Yeah. I've got a Gibson SG guitar here. So we're going to talk about guitars. Yeah. But it's going to be a little bit of a different conversation than normal. I'm up for whatever, John. I don't care. You know that. You know I don't care. Ed doesn't care. Pick a thing. Ed doesn't care. Yep. Beverages. Beverages, Ed. The Stones, Zeppelin, The Who. Yes. The holy trinity of that classic rock. The Who's the best band out of that crew. I think you have said that before. I've said it recently. Yeah. How much do you love the song Eminence Front? Do you know what a Mondegreen is? Uh, it's a Old Blood Noise Endeavors reverb delay-ish sort of pedal. That too. Okay. A Mondegreen is the phenomenon of mishearing lyrics. Really? Yes. That's an actual term? 
it is an actual term, and I think Mondegreen was the first kind of documented case of it. I don't know what the actual lyrics were. Okay. I mention it because you'd say Eminence Front, and as a Mondegreen, when we were kids, we used to joke that it was living in the Bronx. Living in the Bronx. <laughs> huh. I think Pete Townsend did a tremendous amount of white drugs during that period of time. I think you could be right. I think that song is kind of about the club scene of Miami and the excesses of that scene. I think he was also kind of in that scene. That was My Generation mm -hmm. from The Who in 1965. Yeah. Not only was Pete Townsend playing a Gibson SG on that, he was playing the specific one we have now. This, Ed, is a 1963 Gibson SG special. It's pretty rad. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's black on black on black. Yep. Love it. It's got a Bigsby. Yep. Is that original? Uh, we'll get into that. Okay. What are you drinking? Oh, oh my gosh. I went to the West Seattle Farmer's Market that yes. happens on Sundays. Yes. And I bought another bottle of farm-to-table kombucha from Salmonberry Goods because I loved it so much in a previous episode. Yes. I had to get another big bottle. And it's fucking killer, John. Killer. Salmonberry Goods, farm-to-table kombucha. Check it out. We still don't know where the actual farm is. I said I would ping that guy, and I didn't because you know, follow through and whatnot. Yeah. But, but I should do that. Yeah. And figure out if they have a farm. Are you coffeeing as well? Mm-hmm. Black coffee in my special agent department of treasury, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms mug. I too have coffee. Okay. And I think I've had this brand before. Okay. Just maybe not this flavor. This is Calypso. Mm -hmm. It is a juice beverage. This particular flavor is ocean blue lemonade. Yeah. I'm not sure what to think of that. I'm pretty sure we had this whole discussion about Calypso, and it's probably bottled in, you know, the Midwest or something. But no, it's not, right? It like, is. This is out of the King Juice Company. Uh-huh. Out of beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> Calypso, man. A taste of the islands. That's what I'm saying. Straight out of Milwaukee. Yeah. How is it? Tastes like lemonade that's blue. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. Ed, you noticed that I played My Generation. By The Who. Yeah, By The Who. I want to give a tip to the viewers because they've earned it. The song is normally tuned down a step. Or is it half? I don't know. It's tuned down. Okay. The guitar is normally tuned down. I didn't bother because I'm lazy. That said, it's from A to G. So some people might think you're playing A and then G. Yeah? You are not. Go. Imagine if you're playing the A as a normal open A. It's just kind of like in power chord form. Right. And not paying attention to the high notes. But when it's G time, yeah. just play the G on the low E string and yep. nothing else. So instead of... You get this. The only note you're playing is that G, even though you're strumming everything else. Guitar Tip 101 from JFK. Yeah. P90s on this SG. This SG special yes. is beat to hell, and I thought that we might have a conversation about that 
Ed and I are always talking about if an example is clean or if it's beat up or if it has replaced parts and do we want it? Is it worth the money? Is it better to buy a cheaper one? Is it in player condition? Does that matter? How important is any of that? Yeah. So we got this one to have that conversation around. Our good friend, superfan Alex, loaned us this guitar. I like it a lot. Me too. I was talking to Alex about it and he brought up a good point. SGs can be a little like neck divey, and the Bigsby actually throws a little weight in the ass. A little junk in the trunk. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. By 1960, okay, sales of Les Pauls was starting to kind of suck. That seems correct. They needed to change things up. Sure. So that's when they started thinking, well, let's make it just a slab body. Mm-hmm. Maybe put another cutaway in it so it's not a single cut anymore. Yeah. Maybe do some contouring around the edges and stuff. Let's see what we can do. All great ideas. Yeah, and from a playing point of view, let's open up that neck a little more so people can yep. get way up into the 22nd fret there. Sure. Let's do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they did that. Right. In 61, and our man Les Paul... Didn't like it. Hated it. R.I.P. Ripperoo, yeah. Les Paul. As the story goes, the problem was twofold. One, he just plain didn't like it. Yeah. Regardless of anything else, he was not a fan. Yeah. And then the other problem was he was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and maybe didn't want his name affiliated with stuff that produced revenue that somebody else could take. Are there examples from that first year that have the name Les Paul on them? There are. I thought so. He and Ted McCarty agreed to end the kind of endorsement deal. What were they called? Les Paul Jr., Les Paul Special. Yeah. They changed it to SG, we know, which stands for Solid Guitar. And after they did that, that first year, you could actually still get examples here and there where they would use like a truss rod cover that still said Les Paul on it. They didn't want to waste any parts. Sure. What am I going to do? Throw this away? Come on. Just put it on there. Nobody's going to care. Yep. Along with accessing those frets higher up, which is kind of nice, they thin down the neck. Everything they did from the Les Paul to the SG was correct. Every decision they made was the right one. Yeah. Because Les Pauls, no thanks. SGs, yes, please. Yes. This one has two P90s. In our case, they are original. They are, okay. They are original. The neck one, I'll play it for you. That's neck, a rewound P90. Oh, rewound, okay. And the bridge is stock, original, 1963. That's nice. You said highly modified. Yes. Bigsby? Bigsby was added. Yep. You could get either a tunematic or a wraparound tailpiece. You can see yep. this is neither. This is some sort of replacement where the strings just kind of go over it on their way down into the Bigsby. Sure. I think the pick guard, which is kind of warped out, might be original. Alex could tell us if that's true or not. It's either original and kind of warped from age or a replacement and warped because it's kind of crappy. <laughs> I'm okay with either of those answers. The original color on this probably was cherry. Okay. 
This is a refin. Alex refers to this as rattle can black. Yeah. It's definitely not the best job I've ever seen, but I don't know if it's as bad as spray paint. Yeah, it's not straight up spray paint for sure. It seems better. Yeah. It's beat in the kind of way, in this case, that's really cool. It's great. And then the tuners were replaced. These are Grovers. Yep. And this is, as I mentioned, the special at the bottom was the SG Junior. Yep. It would have had one P90. Then comes the special, this guy with the two P90s with dot inlays. Yep. It's planar, which is kind of nice. Right. Then comes the SG Standard with those block inlays and the fancy headstock and maybe even neck binding. Yep. And then the custom. So that was the order of things. What did the custom have? Like potentially three pickups? You could do that, yeah. All that naming convention. I get very confused. Yeah, so by 1963, when this thing comes out, Les Paul's name's no longer on it, and now we know why. Uh-huh. And you could still find examples where it was. Yep. Which is hysterical. And that's where we find ourselves with this guitar. So, our theoretical person, our straw man, yes. is looking for an SG. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have tons of dough, Okay. but he's not broke. He knows he can go get a brand new SG, and it's reasonable. Yep. He knows he could probably get a used SG. That would be reasonable. If he wants to get into the vintage market, yep. it's hit or miss in terms of how much you're going to spend versus the quality you're going to get. Mm-hmm. What do we tell him to keep an eye out for? Even within those constraints, it's like a massive discussion yeah. point. Ed Peterson, that straw man, I just don't care. Reefin, great. This thing's black. Black is cooler than cherry. Therefore, this guitar wins. Yeah. Oh, it's got nicks? Good, because I'm not going to have to do it myself. Me personally, I would not buy a 63 all-original SG, like pristine. There's no way I would buy that guitar. I would rather have two or three player-grade things that I could just ding up, because I'm going to ding them up. Yeah. I'm sure there's people out there who buy collector's-grade guitars and play them, but they're just careful in a way that I find I'm not. Not only is it careful in a way that I'm not, it's careful in a way that I don't want to be. Right, exactly. There are guitars that we get in here that are just pristine examples, and you've been like, hey, Ed, do you want to play this? And a lot of those guitars, I say no. I don't want to play it because I just don't want to be the guy that puts the ding in the 50-year-old guitar that's flawless. We have had expensive new guitars. Yeah. And those are the ones that give me the most stress. I have to sit straight up on the very edge of my seat so the guitar won't hit the arms of the chair. It just sucks. Yeah. It's just, I hate yeah. it. You ever see those things where it's some rich dude that's into guitars and then he walks you into some room and there's guitars in like humidor cases yeah. you know where they're like climate controlled behind glass and it's like yeah you dick they want to be out and they want to be played so maybe we tell mr straw man yeah mr man yeah first thing use your ears find something you like the sound of use a couple of senses for me it's like eyes are more important than ears First blush, do I like that guitar? The eye guts? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The guitar you're holding, it's a 63 and it's black. That immediately puts it above a pristine 63 cherry. Right. Because black is just cooler looking. Yeah, so your eye guts. My eye guts are like, oh yeah. 
pretty important. More than the ear guts? Yes, because you can fix that. Because you can actually throw new pickups in. It's nice having the original pickups in the case or something, I guess. Right. I mean, if it's just a hunk of shit and it's unplayable, I don't want that guitar. I don't either. Would I go buy a pristine vintage guitar of any kind, given, you know, money is no object? I don't think I want the heartache. Mm -mm. I don't think I want to bother. A little dust-up happened recently on the social media where a pretty well-known, famous celebrity person came into a Seattle guitar store, and that guitar store has very expensive inventory. Yes. And this celebrity went into that store and felt a little cold-shouldered about maybe not being able to try out some guitars. I don't know. I am very sympathetic for the store. Yeah. They're in kind of a no-win situation where guy walks in off the street, no appointment, and says like, hey, let me play that thing. And they're like, well... Okay, here's a $250,000 guitar. Do you think the typical person who wants that wants it to be pristine or doesn't care if it's beat up? I have no idea. Are you going to actually play the thing and get that first ding in it? Are you going to be the guy uh-huh. that doesn't put strap locks on a 50? Oh, and snaps the head off of it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Whew. Are you going to be that guy? Yeah. You've got to be careful in a way that you're not careful with a squire. <laughs> like, don't you? I think. Yeah. Hmm. You don't hang a quarter of a million dollar oil painting on your wall and then let some asshole walk in and touch it. With, like, oily fingers, right? Peanut butter hands. Yeah, Yeah. you don't do that. I just Uh, wonder if there isn't some kind of debt to history we owe culturally. Like, hey, it's $250,000. I get it. It's an investment. It's going to appreciate all of that. But it is a musical instrument, a kind of icon of American culture, and it was made to be played. And now you're basically taking it off that stage. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to see it again, hear it again, because you're going to put it in a warehouse. Right. There is so much stuff we will never get to see because some dude has it in the 10th bedroom of his fourth house that he goes to once every two or three years. Yeah. So what does that tell Mr. Man, Mr. Straw Man? How does this instruct him in his search for an SG? You and I both have several 70s fenders. I have three. One has a routed pickup. You know, it's routed for a humbucker, non-original. One is a straight-up refin from the 80s or something. One of them is decent shape, but full of nicks and dings and player-grade kind of stuff. I prefer that. Like, if you can get a vintage guitar, same price of a brand-new Fender, I would buy the vintage one. So it sounds like we're saying, don't worry about the condition. Definitely go player grade. Don't worry about if it's 100% original or supremely collectible. Look for something that's going to sound great and looks cool. Or there are plenty of pristine examples of 70s guitars that are maybe in that space where they're not super collectible. It's never going to be the example, even unplayed, Uh that's going to hit a museum They were mass producing these things, so they're just not the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Buy a collectible one, but feel fine if you put dings in it. Yeah. 
I just don't see any downside to it at all. Let's play this a little more. This is just dry. With the Bigsby and the different bridge. Even if it had different pickups, like if it had Lawlers in it or something. Yeah. It's a great guitar. I love it. Bigsby, bridge, reef, and anything else? The electronics? Yeah, I think the wiring harness is basically all new. Oh, and tuners. Yeah, and tuners. Other than the pickups, it's probably all. Yeah. And that's and that, before you even get to the refin. Yeah. But who cares? For me, I just think it's like really cool looking. Yeah. And this would be a third less, maybe half. Oh, totally. Do you got a pedal you could show us? It's Ed's Pedals. This is a death by audio reverberation machine. I have it currently in bright mode. Bright mode. Yeah. Let me walk you through. It's got a volume. Uh-huh. It's got altitude. Altitude. Which, which is designated by a triangle symbol. Oh. And verb. Verb is funny because it goes up to 125%. Of course it does. Yeah. And then it's got a toggle switch for a bright mode and a dark mode. Ooh. Altitude is actually like a gain stage. Overdrive-y? Overdrive-y. Yeah, I can hear it. I can bring up a little more verb. You told me before that a lot of the artifacty kind of things we're hearing yeah. are intentional. Here's what it says. When the altitude and verb controls are turned past 12 o'clock, the pedal can produce potentially harmful volumes, white <laughs> noise, and other artifacts. Intentional? Yes, maybe. I guess the most neutral thing we could say is known. Yeah. <laughs> this is heavy reverb with very little overdrive. Let me go into some dark mode. Okay. That's great. Thanks for bringing the pedal in. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Death by Audio Reverberation Machine. Those guys always do good stuff. Oliver Ackerman? Yep. Over there at Death by Audio? Yep. Someone said Oliver makes pedals that he wants to play in his band. That sounds familiar. So he just wants kind of crazy, noisy, yeah. and if that ain't your thing... He doesn't that's, care. Yeah. He just happened to make more than one copy of the pedal he wanted. Yeah. That's how that company operates, which is awesome. That, as a business model, is pretty great. I just make what I like, and if you don't like it, that's okay. But he's found enough people who do. I think it's a really good way to go with any kind of art as well yeah. as regular business stuff. Right. I know artists, painters, and sculptors who maybe produced one-off pieces and they sold. And so then they felt this enormous pressure 
that was so successful, just do that for the rest of your career. Right. Don't change anything. I don't know that my guy, Nicolas Cage, exactly falls into that camp. <laughs> but you can look at old Nicolas Cage films like Leaving Las Vegas. The guy has a massive range and he actually can be subtle and can act. Yeah. But then the last 10 plus years, he got this, the crazy guy, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And that's the only person anyone hires anymore. Yeah. He does all these like direct to video movies. He cranks out like fucking four or five films a year. <laughs> and the characters are all like wacko over the top dudes. That feels like he's been stereotyped into a thing. And yeah. now he just gets to spend the rest of his days. Maybe this is why you do what you want to do, because should it hit and become successful, well, now you're stuck doing something you love doing. Which very well might be the case with Nicolas Cage. Maybe like, that's what he wanted to do the whole time. Yeah, this is not a knock on Nicolas Cage and his acting. <laughs> he is one of the few people doing really fucking interesting work. I hope that's exactly what he wants to do. I think that's great. Nicolas Cage is the Oliver Ackerman of acting. Oh. That's what I'm saying. I want an Oliver Ackerman, Nicolas Cage collaboration. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a solid set of recommendations for Mr. S. Mann. Yeah. What do you think he's going to do? You gotta try it. Try and decide. Mr. S. Mann, mm -hmm. buy this one. No. You don't think? I think this straw man dude is a normie, right? Oh. He's a normie in my brain. Uh -huh. And what he's going to do is look at the price tag, uh -huh. and then he's going to go to Guitar Center, and he's going to buy a brand new custom. He's going to buy the fancy guitar because that's his deal, because he's a fucking normie. So Mr. S. Mann can't stomach the dings. Can't stomach the reef in. He's not going to do it. More than likely, there are a large number of guitar players out there who do not care about the year 1963. Right. It's an SG, and I can get a brand new one with a warranty. He's probably thinking like, oh, it's got a warranty <laughs> from Gibson. Oh, my gosh. Extended like, warranty? Yeah, I'll yeah. take it. Exactly. That's what that guy is doing. You're probably right, especially when you think of some of those SG standards that you can get all day long for like 900 bucks. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Me? Now we're talking about Ed, and I'm like all over this thing. Kind of like crappy black reef in P90s? Yeah. Hell yes. The black on black is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm totally into this thing. But Mr. Normie, dude? Where does Mr. S. Man live, do you think? Clearly not close enough to the water. He's, he's not, not a, on a coast. He's not on a coast. Southeastern coast, maybe. Like a Biloxi, Mississippi kind of thing? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Geography with John and Ed. Mississippi for 10, Ed. <laughs> we got to go study a map clearly. Yeah. While we do that, we want to encourage viewers to look on our Instagram and our webpage at pictures of this and other sundry instruments. Sure. Don't you think? 
I think they should, but I'm biased, John. Yeah. Okay, well, go do that. Find us at The High Gain or thehighgain.com. Yep. Send messages, write reviews. Sure. Send us an email at thehighgainpod at gmail.com. Yes. Sure. Look at our Pinterest. What else are you doing? Do it. Yeah. Bye, John. Okay, Ed, bye.